Part 2, Chapter 15 of The Patrician by John Galsworthy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Simon Evers. Part 2, Chapter 15. When, on the afternoon of that same day, Milton did not come, all the chilly doubts which his presence alone kept away crowded thick and fast into the mind of one only too prone to distrust her own happiness. It could not last. How could it? His nature and her own were so far apart. Even in that giving of herself which had been such happiness she had yet doubted, for there was so much in him that was to her mysterious. All that he loved in poetry and nature had in it something craggy and culminating. The soft and fiery, the subtle and harmonious, seemed to leave him cold. He had no particular love for all those simple, natural things, birds, bees, animals, trees and flowers, that seemed to her precious and divine. Though it was not yet four o'clock, she was already beginning to droop like a flower that wants water. But she sat down to her piano, resolutely, till tea came, playing on and on with a spirit only half present, the other half of her wandering in the town, seeking for Milton. After tea she tried first to read, then to sew, and once more came back to her piano. The clock struck six, and as if its last stroke had broken the armour of her mind, she felt suddenly sick with anxiety. Why was he so long? And she kept on playing, turning the pages without taking in the notes, haunted by the idea that he might again have fallen ill. Did she telegraph? What could, when she could not tell in the least where he might be? And all the unreasoning terror of not knowing where the loved one is beset her so that her hands, in sheer numbness, dropped from the keys. Unable to keep still now, she wandered from window to door, out into the little hall, and back hastily to the window. Over her anxiety brooded a darkness, compounded of vague, growing fears. What if it were the end? What if he had chosen this as the most merciful way of leaving her? Surely he would never be so cruel. Close on the heels of this too painful thought came reaction, and she told herself that she was a fool. He was at the house. Something quite ordinary was keeping him. It was absurd to be anxious. She would have to get used to this now. To be a drag on him would be dreadful. Sooner than that she would rather, yes, rather he never came back. And she took up her book, determined to read quietly till he came. But the moment she sat down, her fears returned with redoubled force, the cold, sickly, horrible feeling of uncertainty, of the knowledge that she could do nothing but wait, till she was relieved by something over which she had no control. And in the superstition that to stay there in the window where she could see him come was keeping him from her, she went into her bedroom. From there she could watch the sunset clouds wind dark over the river. A little talking wind shivered along the houses, the dusk began creeping in. She would not turn on the light, unwilling to admit that it was really getting late, but began to change her dress, lingering desperately over every little detail of her toilet, deriving therefrom a faint, mysterious comfort, trying to make herself feel beautiful. In sheer dread of going back before he came, she let her hair fall, though it was quite smooth and tidy, and began brushing it. Suddenly she thought with horror of her efforts at adornment. By specially preparing for him, she must seem presumptuous to fate. At any little sound she stopped and stood listening. Save for her hair and eyes, 
as white from head to foot as a double narcissus flower in the dusk, bending towards some faint tune played to it somewhere oft in the fields. But all those little sounds ceased, one after another. They had meant nothing. And each time her spirit returning within the pale walls of the room began once more to inhabit her lingering fingers. During that hour in her bedroom she lived through years. It was dark when she left it. End of part two, chapter 15.